0: Good morning. We have a great crowd assembled here this morning. Bill, I think by the preacher's count, it's like 325. I don't know. We'll ask 330. There you go. Uh, We are thankful that you are here. The good news of this congregation is uh, if it were 30 or 25, we would still assemble together and worship God in spirit and in truth. But we're thankful that you have chosen to be here this morning. I believe we have a few visitors in our midst, and we're thankful that you are here. We have some packets that you may not or may have gotten a copy of yet, and we have a card in there we'd love for you to fill out so we can have some of your information and send you a card of thanks for coming our way. And we're thankful that you're here this morning. We're thankful for our members that are here. We've had a lot who are traveling and been on various vacations, and as uh, school is starting back, we've got a lot of our number back. We've got a lot of our sick back as well. It's great to see Ms. Joyce here and... Samira and Son are still here, but there are many others as well who have not been able to be with us, um, but are here this morning. We know many of you want to be here every time that you can, and we're just thankful for the opportunity to be together. It's another one of those great Lord's Days that we can have an opportunity to be here to worship, but there are a lot of other good things that are going on. I would say to you again here in this moment, though you might forget again, but there would be a meeting uh, this morning after services for our youth and, and those working with our youth with Cody, and we hope that you'll remember that and be a part of that. We hope that you can be with us at the Saudi Daisy Healthcare Center at 2 o'clock as well as we try to encourage the residents there in song and in study for a few moments. Um, The teen singing will be going on. Uh, Tonight we'll have worship again. Tonight we're going to take a look at the book of Ruth. We've been trying to look at one book a month, beginning with Genesis and moving forward, and we're up to the book of Ruth. If you can be back with us again this evening at 6, we would love for you to be here. Uh, Last month we talked about Judges. Judges is not exactly an encouraging book, but Ruth is certainly a great story, a great love story, and we hope that you can be back with us this evening as we study together again. This morning, I'd like for us to consider a sermon that I found recently, an outline that was given to me. Uh, I had lunch with a couple of preachers, and they were passing along a book, and they were scanning it into digital form and gave me a copy. It was called 52 Soul Winning Sermon Outlines. 52 Soul Winning Sermon Outlines by a brother by the name of Willie White. And I was looking through that as they sent me the digital copy of it and kind of going through. And I thought, I I found the one that we're going to look at this morning. I thought, you know, that'd be pretty good to develop. It's kind of a, a skeleton outline. And I'd like for us to consider what it has to say this morning. William Holman Hunt was an English artist. He was known for his attention to detail. He was known for his use of vivid color and elaborate symbolism. Painted many different paintings during his time, but but it was around the year 1850 that he painted this particular painting. It became entitled The Light of the World, The Light of the World by William Holman Hunt. It is based off of a verse that we'll get to in just a few moments, but it is said as a bit of a background that when Mr. Hunt finished this painting and put it up for those people to look at, he displayed it for the critics. And as the artist unveiled the painting and stepped back to await their evaluation, he flinched as if he had been struck in the face, for one of the critics had laughed. Turning to the one who had thus responded to the picture, the artist inquired, What is it? What is wrong with my painting? Why, Holman, the critic replied, for a man of your ability and experience, you have made a glaring error. Why haven't you even put a latch on the door? And I know it may be hard for you to see in this small section here, but there is no latch on the door. But the great artist responded, friend, that is right. There is no latch on the door, for the latch is on the inside. It's interesting sometimes, we don't often think about doors I would suggest to you that, you know, it's something that we oftentimes use that sort of just comes by second nature to us. You have entered, no doubt, by a door, I believe, this morning somewhere in this building. But when we think about doors, we know the Bible discusses this idea, but even when we think about the purpose sometimes of doors, we use them like a lot of things in life, somewhat naturally, without even considering, but a door is sometimes used for admittance admittance obviously we enter into a place or into a room by the door we open the door to allow people to come into the room but at the same time on the other hand sometimes the door is used for obstruction we close the door in order to keep someone out and even sometimes that door is used for protection maybe to keep someone out in an obstruction kind of sense someone that might harm us or be willing to do something to hurt us And so, yes, we use doors a lot, open and close them and allow people in and keep people out without thinking. Hopefully you lock your doors maybe when you leave your house. And we just kind of do that without thinking. But this morning we want to consider the fact that in the Bible there are four doors that are placed before us. There are four doors that are placed before us in the Word of God. And you're going to see a pattern here, and I'll go ahead and tell you first off that in the outline, I didn't leave you space to define these doors, so I have to ask you to fill that in. But if you have your bulletin and you're following along with us, the first door is an open door which no man can close. If you're following along in your Bible, we'll be looking, first of all, at John chapter 10 and verse number 9. But the first door is an open door which no man can close. And if you have your outline and you're following along... If you'd put a dash out beside or right out beside it, this is the door of the church. This is the door of the church. An open door which no man can close. In John chapter 10 and verse number 9, Jesus is talking about himself being the good shepherd, the true shepherd. He says in John 10 and verse number 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture an open door which no man can close is the door of the church it is ever open and we are thankful for that we're thankful that it's always open as long as we have time and opportunity you have been blessed with an opportunity to be here this morning we're thankful you've chosen to do that but the door of the church is one in which no man can close I thought of the way in which Paul said it in Romans chapter 8 and verses 38 through 39 Romans chapter 8 And verses 38 through 39, Paul said it this way. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ten things. Ten things that are listed there. And Paul is saying that none of those things can separate us from the love of God. Now that is not to say that a person cannot be lost after they have become saved. Yes, it is possible for us to become a Christian, be added to the church, and then turn our back on God. That is not to say that, that once a person is saved, they are always saved. But I think about this in context of this first point. There is an open door which no man can close. There is nothing that anyone can do to me To make sure that I'm not a part of the church if I will be obedient. The door that no man can close is the door of the church. Jesus explained it further though in Luke chapter 13 and verse 24 as he said this is a narrow door. Luke 13 and verse number 24 Jesus said strive to enter through the narrow gate or the narrow door. For many I say to you will seek to enter and will not be able. So it is ever open but it is also very narrow. And at the same time, not only is it narrow, but it is the only door. Back again in John chapter 10, this time verse number one, Jesus said, "Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the sheepfold, enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Not only is this door to the church a narrow door, but it is the only door. Jesus said the similar thought there in verse chapter 10 and verse number 9, as he says, I am the door. He said it as well, we know in John, John records for us, that he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And in a similar sense, he says, no one comes to the Father but by me. It's not, the, of course, puffing his chest out kind of sense that I am the only one and, and you have to bow down to me, but it is the sense that he is the Son of God and he said, I am the only way and the truth, and the life, and I am the door. It is an open door which no man can close. It is ever open as long as God blesses us with time and opportunity to follow after Him, to become, as we sometimes say, gospel-obedient, becoming a child of God, being baptized for the remission of our sins, and allowing the Lord to add us to His church. It's encouraging in this sense to think about this door of the church. It is open, and no man can close it. Our second door this morning is an open door which any man can close. An open door which any man can close. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 8, Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 8, Jesus here, of course, is is towards the end or in the midst of his discussion of the seven churches of Asia. And he says, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Now, you may see a little bit of a, a contradiction to our point here, but let us go further. Jesus says, an open door and no one can shut it, but we're talking about an open door which any man can close. But if you're making notes, you might write out to the side. This is the door of opportunity. What we're talking about in this second door is the door of opportunity. And let me show you one more passage to consider. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verses 8 through 9. 1 Corinthians 16, 8 through 9. This door that any man can close is the door of opportunity. Paul puts it this way there in 1 Corinthians 16, But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries." This is the door of opportunity. This is the door of opportunity to enter the door of the church. This is the door of opportunity to service and abundant living. This is the door that we can have open for us, that is open for us, that any person can close. They can shut it off. We can ignore the opportunities around us because there are opportunities. I've told you before that I once heard a preacher say that we should not pray for opportunities. Because they're there we should pray for the courage to take advantage of those opportunities Maybe it's semantics. Maybe it's kind of quibbling over words, but but I understand what he meant We have an opportunity You cannot walk out this door this morning and say that I don't have any opportunities to talk to someone about jesus The opportunities are there. There's opportunities to serve. There's opportunities to live for him We have to have the courage to take advantage of them This door sometimes is shut. It's closed by us because of laziness. It's closed sometimes because we're too lazy. Sometimes we're too afraid. Sometimes we covet too much. We close it because of our covetousness. Sometimes we close it because of our blindness. Right there in Revelation chapter 3, as Jesus is talking to the faithful church at Philadelphia, he goes on later to talk to the church at Laodicea. And we know them because they are the lukewarm church. And when Jesus says that, and I've used this before because I always talk about that that idea of the Son of God spewing us out of his mouth because we are lukewarm. But on later in verse number 17, Jesus says, Because you say, the reason I would spew you out of my mouth, the reason you are lukewarm is because you will say, I am rich. I have become wealthy and have need of nothing. But Jesus says, and you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. There are many people around the world today, those certainly maybe even in Hollywood, those certainly maybe even in the realm of athletics, those maybe even in Chattanooga, Tennessee, who would sit high and mighty and think, I've got it all figured out. I've got plenty of money. I've got all that I need. But Jesus says, on the contrary, you are poor and naked. You are blind. You are wretched. You are miserable. Hopefully, we do not find ourselves in that position. But that is what sometimes gets in our way. We think we are something, but we are nothing. Our blindness, our being afraid, our laziness gets in the way, and we sometimes close this door. The door of opportunity is there, and it is open. But any man can shut it, especially when we allow our lives and our own selves to get in the way. Before we know it, we've closed that door of opportunity to teach someone, to serve someone, to help someone. An open door which any man can close. The third door this morning is a closed door which no man can open. A closed door which no man can open. If you're making your notes there, this is the door of heaven. This is the door of heaven. In Matthew chapter 25 and verse number 10, Jesus there is is giving an example. He's giving this parable, if you will. He's talking about the wise and the foolish virgins. In Matthew chapter 25 and verse number 10, it says, Jesus says, and while they went to buy those foolish virgins, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding and the door was shut. The door was shut. Notice verse number 11 as well if you turn there afterward the other virgins came also saying lord lord open to us but he answered and said assuredly i say to you i do not know you watch therefore for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the son of man is coming the closed door which no man can open is the door of heaven this door will be closed to hypocrites we think about matthew chapter 7 in verses 22 through 23, Jesus says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Have I not checked off enough boxes? Have I not done enough? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. This door, the door of heaven, will be closed to those who would be hypocritical. Who would say one thing on Sunday morning who would fill a pew on Sunday morning but then go out the rest of the week and live a different way? This door will be closed to the sinners, to those unforgiven sinners. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verses 9 through 10. First Corinthians 6: 9 through 10, Paul says, "Do you not know that sort of rhetorical opening that he sometimes uses? Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God?" And many people say, well, I got that. I understand. I know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God, but yet we live our lives in a different way We live unrighteously, but he says do you not know That the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God do not be Deceived another warning shaking his hands almost in a word sense pay attention. Do not be deceived Do not fool yourselves and he goes through the list Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Pretty strong words there. Whether, whether you're a murderer or whether you're a fornicator or not, pretty strong words about those who would be unrighteous. This door, the door of heaven, will be closed to those who are hypocrites, will be closed to those who are unforgiven sinners, no person can force open the door of heaven. It doesn't matter how much dynamite you have, how, much, how many explosives that you got, or how hard you push. No man can open the door of heaven, of course, even as we've talked about already, except for Jesus, the Son, God, the Father, who has opened that door, who has made it possible. But no man can force it open. The door of heaven is a door which we can enter by, which we must enter by but we must notice as well that there are people who will not enter thereby we notice as we said earlier that the door of the church is a narrow door jesus says that a couple of times where it's recorded for us a couple of times that there would be many who would go the wide way who cannot enter because they are not faithful because they are unforgiven because they fall into these other categories of people that are listed for us by the son of god and by the apostle paul and other writers. A closed door which no, man, which no man can open. This would be the door of heaven. The fourth and final door this morning is a closed door which any man can open. A closed door which any man can open. And if you're writing notes there, this door is the heart. This door is the heart. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 20 is the verse that motivated or was the inspiration for William Holman Hunt to create this painting, The Light of the World. We'll come back to it in just a moment in its full form where you can see all of it, but that is supposed to be depicted Jesus, Jesus the Son of God, standing there with his light as the light of the world, knocking at the door. A closed door which any man can open is the door of the heart. Any man can open it because it's always a choice. And by the way, that is another one of those things that Jesus makes abundantly clear through all of his writings and words, through all of his teachings. I like it best because our children sing it. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. What does Jesus say there? He talks about the wise man and the foolish man. And it's one that we won't forget because our children sing it, even as they do at Vacation Bible School, even as they do sometimes up front here with Mr. Heath. But what does Jesus say? Matthew 7 and verse number 24. Therefore, whoever hears these words of mine and does them. Whoever hears these words and puts them into action will be likened to the wise man who built his house upon the rock. But he gives the other side because it is a choice. Therefore, whoever does not hear these words of mine and does not do them. Or as he says in verse 26, who does hear them, and does not do them. There's a choice. We could be like the foolish man who builds upon the sand, and we all know that example. We've all seen the water wash up on the shore and destroy something that might have been built by a young child. The closed door which any man can open is the door of the heart. It is a choice. Any man can open it. We must open our heart. There is no more beautiful picture, even as Mr. Hunt depicted for us in this painting, there is no more beautiful picture than that of the Son of God knocking on what some people call the heart door. The door of the heart. What's interesting is with the story that we told earlier, do you remember Hunt's critic? He jumped on him because he said there was no latch on the door, but Hunt told him the latch is on the inside. When it comes to the door of the heart... The closed door which any man can open, the latch is on the inside. You must open the door. We don't like to think about that sometimes. We would rather that God would would sort of just zap us with it, that he would just make us faithful or make us a Christian. But the truth of the matter is, as Mr. Hunt showed us, the latch is on the inside. It is up to you to open this closed door. And any man can open it. As we consider this idea, I like the way that this brother White wrote it in this outline. He said, you must open the door of the heart, enter the door of the church, pass through the door of opportunity if you would enter the door of heaven. We began by saying there are four doors that the Bible presents for us, and these are them. Open the door of your heart, enter the door of the church, pass through that door of opportunity of service and abundant living, If you would enter the door of heaven. Sounds kind of simple. We sometimes make it a little more difficult in our lives. I like this as well in this outline. On which side of the church door are you? A very succinct, very simple, very short poem to cause you to think. On which side of the church door are you? One door and only one and yet its sides are two. The inside and the outside, on which side are you? Just like this painting, you have a door to your heart. Christ would stand there knocking. And maybe you're here this morning and you've been acting as if you're asleep. You've been acting as if you don't want to answer that door. What's interesting is God has made it known to us. He has given us the plan of salvation by which we open the door, per se, to allow Jesus to come in, it's not a prayer that we pray, it's not not something that someone else can do for us, the latch is on the inside. We must open that door and become gospel obedient. God has left for us in his word, his simple plan of salvation, the way that has been made known to us in which we can become a Christian. We have to repent of our sins, we have to confess that Jesus is the Son of God, He made us a promise that if we would do that before an audience, even as such as this one here this morning, that he would confess us before the Father in heaven. You can be baptized for the remission of your sins, immersed into water just as Jesus was put into the grave, rising again just as he rose from the grave to walk in newness of life. It is then that the Lord will add you to his church and you can begin to live faithfully. This is how you become a Christian. This is how you are added to the church. This is how you open that heart door for Jesus so that he can come into your life. He can be your savior. But what's interesting is we consider this painting one more time as we are about to sing this song in just a moment. Who at the door is standing? Who at the door is standing? Not only do we have the story that is recorded for us about the critic who attacked Mr. Hunt, But the story goes as well that as he put this painting up to be examined, to be looked at by people, that a little girl walked up and looked at the picture for a long while. And then with tears welling up in her eyes, she asked, did he ever get in? Jesus is standing at the door. We know who at the door is standing. We know why he's there. He would open the gospel to all, to any man who would open their heart and become a Christian. She asked, did he ever get in? And that is the question that we must answer and ask ourselves this morning. Did he ever get in? You can let him in either by becoming a Christian or maybe you've shut that door and shut him out after you become a Christian and you've wandered away. You can open it again so that he might come in and be a part of your life. So that you cannot be like the lukewarm church or those others, other churches that he discusses, discusses in the book of Revelation You can be found faithful, even up until the point of death, and receive the crown of life. Will you let him in, even now as we stand together and as we sing?
1: Our closing song was three hundred and eighty three. Three hundred and eighty three. Let's sing verses one, three, and four. I've a home prepared where the saints abide Just over in the glory land And I long to be by my Savior's side Just over in the glory land Just over in the glory land I'll join the happy angel band just over in the glory land. Just over in the glory land, there we. The mighty host I'll stand Just over in the glory land What a joyful thought That my Lord I'll see Just over in the glory land And with hundreds say There forever be Just over in the glory land Just over in the glory land I'll join the happy angel band Just over in the glory land Just over in the glory land There with the mighty host I'll stand Just over in the glory land With the blood washed throng I will shout and sing Just over in the glory land Glad hosannas to Christ the Lord and King just over in the glory land. Just over in the glory land. I'll join the happy angel band. Just over in the glory land. Just over in the glory land. There with the mighty host I'll stand Just over in the glory land